praise God, back to the book of Revelation, chapter 22. It's uh, interesting. <laughs> I just did, uh, Steve preached, and praise God for that. And then we did a couple devotional messages after that, or one or two. I, I guess I'm thinking of Wednesday as well. If you didn't catch Wednesday's message, it's on a few different subjects, but one of the main subjects we dealt with was hospitality. So if you're like, in the Bible, it calls us as Christians to show hospitality, and it's something that we're commanded to know about, and, or I should say exercise. And I spent some time on that because we're talking about the qualifications for elders in that message. And I mentioned that all these qualifications for elders, except maybe teaching, is what every Christian ought to be doing. Amen? And it's just showing a mature believer. So I encourage you to check out that message because we need to, God wants us to open up our homes and reach out to people and love people and shine the light of Christ while we have time. Amen? So I want to encourage you to check that out. Uh, Revelation chapter 22 Verse 21, I'm sorry, verse 12, 21, 12, or 22, 12. It's a tongue twister for me at this moment for some reason. T 22, 12. Praise the Lord. I just saw Rona. She just was leaving, and, and uh, Rona, I just, as I was looking down, I saw her flash out, and I thought, oh, because she just left me a message on the hospitality message and how she was really blessed. And I say that because... Certain messages stretch certain people in different ways depending on where you're at. And I don't even know if that was the focus of that message that hit her, whatever it was, or the holistically. But it blessed my heart that she was really blessed. And I thought, you know what? Uh, it's, if you can make the midweek studies, you know, it's, it's awesome because we really get in the Word. And then you get, Sunday's great. It's important. First day of the week, the Lord's Day. Amen. amen. But if you can make the midweek study too, it's just that midweek uh, fill up, you know, of God's Word and so forth. And if you go Wednesday and Sunday, you get twice as much through the year, right, <laughs> of the Lord's blessings. So I just encourage you in that. Uh, in the book of Revelation 22, 12, got that right finally. Uh, Jesus says, behold, I am coming quickly. And we talked about what that means, quickly. doesn't mean, even though he'll probably be moving pretty fast, it means that he's coming soon. Amen. And the Lord counts a day as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day, and so forth. For him, it's only been two days since he's been gone from a heavenly perspective. Amen? And he says, my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I mentioned to you that we do a message on rewards. Because here, Jesus clearly says, and he wants us to know this, at the end of the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, that... My reward is with me in light of his coming to render to every man according to what he has done. So his reward is with him. That answers a lot of questions. Uh, I wanted to uh, answer like the five W's kind of. Sometimes when you look at a subject matter, you can, like a journalist will often be taught in journalism 101, you know, is, you know, who, what, where, when, why, to ask those five questions about something. They don't always do that in every story, but that's a good way to be comprehensive when you're dealing with something. And sometimes I'll apply that to a subject matter uh, when I want to teach something comprehensively and look at the big picture and not just the small picture. And I, so I want to answer, uh, see what the scriptural answers are to those questions. I really feel you will leave here better understanding because each and every one of you will stand before God to give account of yourself, myself included, all of us on the day of judgment, okay? And each, every one of us will stand before him, and he's the God of the universe that created all things, who is a consuming fire, but he is also love, amen? Yeah. 
and uh, we'll all stand before him and we'll all be, every single believer that is, every human being will stand before God. The goats and the sheep, man. But every single believer will also stand before God. And we're gonna talk about that and you'll be rewarded or you'll lose rewards as well. And we need to talk about that. So the first question is who? Who are we talking about in this rewards? And oftentimes if I ask the word who, what's gonna happen? We're gonna think, well, us. But I wanna ask that question first, Jesus, amen. He's the one that's going to be there. He's the judge of all the earth. He says all judgment has been committed to him and we're gonna stand before him. And he is the judge and he is the one who says he's coming and he is the one that's going to reward us and his reward is with him. That's encouraging, amen? Amen. Especially when we don't deserve really rewards. What do we really deserve? Death, hell, eternal separation from God. And so he's going to reward who? He's going to reward genuine believers. You can't just look around and say, oh, he's going to reward all these people. No. Jesus said, enter the straight, enter the narrow gate, right? For straight is the way and narrow is the gate that leads to life and few are those who find it. But broad is the gate and spacious is the way that leads to destruction and many or most go that way. So to be rewarded, first of all, you need to be saved, Amen. Jesus said in John chapter three, verse three, and in verse five, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God, amen? Amen. And he said you must be born of water and spirit to enter the kingdom of God. So it's critical that we're born again, that we recognize that without Christ, we have no hope in this world, that we're spiritually dead, separated from Christ, children of wrath. Uh, We're basically under God's wrath and eternal judgment until we recognize and acknowledge what our conscience bears witness of, that we are hopeless sinners and that we need to be saved. And we respond to God's grace and the conviction of the Holy Spirit and cry out to Jesus for salvation and put our trust in him to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. Amen? Now, it's imperative that we understand this. It's imperative that we know that, guess what? The salvation that comes by grace, the rewards is by works. The salvation is by grace. Amen? Amen? So we aren't working to be saved So we need to understand there's a distinction, and this is where some Christians get mixed up. God grades you regarding rewards based on your works, but as far as your salvation goes, it's based on the work of Christ on Calvary's cross when Jesus died in your place, amen, and poured out his blood. And Jesus made it really clear. He that believes in me has passed from death to life. He that believes in the, it's a continuous or present tense. He that believes in me has passed from death to life and will not come into condemnation. So if you're trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, amen, he's, he's the one, he's first in your life. He's the one you're trusting. That's where your faith is, man. Yeah, you will not come into condemnation. However, the scriptures are very clear that rewards is a secondary deal after salvation. And that's when we're rewarded according to our works. And Paul says, by grace you save through faith that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, right? Not of works as anyone should boast. But right after he downplays works in regard to salvation and says they're null and void in regard to earning your salvation or meriting your salvation, what does he say? He goes on to say very, very clearly that we were created in Christ Jesus as his workmanship for good works. He follows up reminding us, even though we're not saved by the good works, you, you, yes, you and me, we were all created to do good works for God. And praise God, how many of you are part of Blessed Hope and you're doing good things to the Lord? I'm, I'm looking at this thing that Jonathan put on here and that's that took work, you know? And, uh, and he's going to be rewarded for it. 
And you rewarded Johnny because I mentioned it. You're not mentioning enough. He said, hey, look at this thing I built. You guys, check this out, man. Well, then he probably might lose that reward. I don't know. He's got a great heart. But I'm mentioning it, so uh, he won't lose this reward. But he does, you know, these little things and big things that people do for God's glory don't go unnoticed by the Lord. Remember, Jesus said, even if you give someone a cup of water, a cold cup of water in his name, you will not lose your reward. This is a little acts of kindness and that God's transformed our hearts so we should want to show love. We should want to show kindness and, and understand. In 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Paul says, therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time. Meaning don't judge people and say, this person, you know, has done this much for God's kingdom. This person's only done this much and so forth. Paul said he doesn't even judge himself in that regard. And he says, wait for the day to declare it. And Paul says, but wait until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. Wow, that's kind of a mixed thing. It's like, whoa, my heart's gonna be totally be disclosed, right? But then it follows up with this encouragement. Each person, right, will receive praise from God. Did you know each person includes you if you're trusting Jesus will see, receive praise from God? Well, we're used to praising God, amen? amen. But you receive, we'll receive what praise from him. Well done, that's praise, good and faithful servant, amen? amen. That's beautiful. I love that. But, you know, now we won't receive worship from God. <laughs> We're just the creatures, right? But he'll, 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 he'll pat us on the, on the heart, man, and on the back and on the head or whatever and give us his affection and say he's very, very uh, blessed in his heart that we served him. So your, your toil, brothers and sisters, is not in vain in the Lord. It's being noticed. It's written down. And there's so many believers here I know that do so many wonderful things that that are painstaking, that take time and talent and treasure. You know, I'm looking at Jimmy over there just because uh, Jimmy and Rochelle are just in my view right now, but they're helping. We, we may have a Blessed Hope Orphanage. Pray about that, Lord willing. That's one of the things we're working toward over in the Philippines. And right now they have the startup of that because they've been ministering. How long have you guys been ministering to those folks, Rochelle, Jimmy? Three years already? Two years. I'm like, man, I'm getting, I must be 60 instead of 59. Wow, two years. That's a, that's, and there's a blood, sweat, and tears. There's, you know, the fellowship has provided help by the grace of God, uh, rice and, 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 and things of that nature and helping build it up when the typhoon hit it and so forth. So we've been able to help in some way, but guess what? That's the easy part, you know? The hard part is teaching week after week these kids, you know, and encouraging them and then visiting them, which they've done, you know? It's beautiful, but that will be rewarded by the Lord. Amen? Immensely, I believe. It's just all so beautiful to me. Now, listen to this. I love this. I mean, uh, when we're talking about who, it's the believers that get rewarded. But it's also not only who, but what. But what. And I'm trying to, I'm gonna, you have to bear with me as I go through my notes because I shrunk this down when I realized, oh man, there's a video that's like almost 10 minutes before this. And, but it's all gonna, we're still gonna get through all five of these because I don't wanna do two parts on the, on the rewards. I want it to be comprehensive in one feeding time. Amen? So what, you know, what are the rewards, you know? What's going on here? And it's interesting. The scriptures are a little bit mysterious as far as the what goes to a degree. You know it's the king of the universe who created all things, right? And there's gonna be everlasting joy. Amen? So whatever it is, and we do have some ideas which I'll share with you in a moment, some concrete answers, uh, but it's going to be absolutely mind-boggling. But the very fact that Jesus spoke of rewards over and over again, 
And I mentioned as your pastor that it's kind of, uh, I feel like I've dropped the ball. You know, as a pastor, you always feel like, man, I could do better in this area. You pray, Lord, help me be better in this area and do better in that area. And one of those areas is I haven't preached on uh, rewards as much as maybe I should have. But a lot of times I go verse by verse through a scripture. So when it comes up in the scripture, I preach it, you know. But sometimes I'm almost like humble before the Lord. Or we're, we're kind of like humble before the Lord. Like, man, we're just, I'm very, very happy just to get in. Amen. So I want to talk about how oh, I'm going to get all these, we're going to, wow, we're going to get all these rewards. Isn't this great? That's not how I think. I think, man, I'm so grateful just to get past the threshold, right? And be in God's kingdom. So I don't preach on it as much as I ought to. And the reason I say as much as I ought to is because it's in the scripture. So I try to be faithful to the scripture. And I'm one of those pastors that talks about how it's important to preach the whole counsel of God. Amen. So I want to make sure I don't leave anything out. So I said, what do I leave? Was there anything I'm leaving out, Lord? And I thought there's some emphases I sometimes need to have more of, and that one of those is on rewards. So I thought, mm, I'm at a reward scripture. I've preached on it before, but not just a whole lot once in a while. And listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're rewarded in heaven when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, not when you're persecuted for being in the flesh. You're a bad worker. You're lazy. You know, you you, you know you do things wrong at work, and then they they, they say, hey, you know, you're supposed to be a Christian, and then you come home. Ah, oh, I was getting persecuted again at church. But do you tell your wife you're being lazy? <laughs> uh, you you don't get rewards for being. Uh, you know, soundly rebuked because of doing things wrong and, and being in the flesh, you get rebuked or you get rewarded, not rebuked, you get rewarded when you are seeking, in your heart, seeking to serve Jesus, even though people will mock you. Even sometimes people in the body of Christ because they feel like you're being too strong in Christ. You have too much zeal for God because you go street witnessing or because you don't dress your kid up like a little demon to go out trick-or-treating, you know, and you get persecuted for those things. But guess what? You have reward in heaven. Amen. And that's a beautiful, beautiful truth. In Matthew 6, verse 1, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So we don't do things to be noticed by men. We do things to glorify the Father in heaven. Amen. And we have reward. And notice Jesus says at times, great reward. Now, when Jesus says great reward, that just blows me away. And I think a lot of people, you know, are going to miss out on a lot of wonderful things in the heavenly kingdom when they get their new body. And I do believe personally your new body because, and I won't go through the scriptures, I believe, reveal this, but that your, your resurrection will be in accordance with what you've done for the Lord's glory in, in your resurrection body. And also, which I'll get into a little bit, your capacity, your capacity to experience joy. I believe the more you do in, for God's kingdom here and his glory, live for him now, is to the degree that you'll experience the capacity of joy in heaven. I believe every Christian will be joyful, okay? Because there's no more tears anyway, amen? You're not gonna be, I didn't get any rewards. Look at the Joneses down the street, what they got, you know? It's not gonna be like that. You're just gonna be so happy. You're like, praise God, I'm here. But you're not gonna be exuding maybe the extent of joy that other person might be who's just served the Lord and been faithful in such a radical way, amen? Now, in Matthew chapter 6, 19 and 20, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, right? Where moth and rust do corrupt and thieves break in and steal. But he said, Lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust do corrupt and where thieves don't break in and steal. Amen? How many of you are doing that? 
Or how many of you are like not even thinking about the heavenly kingdom, not even really thinking about the Lord and serving him to glorify him and your rewards, but you're thinking more, what can I get here? How can I build my, 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 my palace here on this earth and making it all about that? Don't do that. You're robbing yourself, you know? And I always love the story of the man who found out that he had all these things on this island and he felt, and he found out that, guess what? This island, bam, was going to be destroyed with a huge hurricane. And what he did is he took his boat and he moved everything from that island to another island out of the eye of the hurricane, out of the way of the hurricane. And the hurricane came, that island was destroyed, but he had everything on the next island. Well, guess what? The Bible says everything on this earth will burn in intense heat. And Paul says you can't take it with you, amen? And that's why it's foolish to live for today. Because you see that bumper sticker sometimes, I haven't seen it sometime, maybe people got a little wiser, but I don't think they did. Uh, he who wins with the most, he who dies with the most toys wins. I wanna go up there and scribble the word nothing at the end, you know? They win nothing, I've never done that, I wouldn't do that, I'm just thinking you win nothing, dude, you need Jesus, you know? Uh, those who win in the end are those who are right with the Lord. By his grace, we win because of Jesus winning us on the cross. Amen. And then we're blessed with wonderful rewards. Uh, Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is coming, uh, is to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then recompense every man according to his deeds. We're all going to be rewarded according to our deeds, man. That's just a blow mind. He's going to reward you for what you've done. Some of you, I, I think some people are going to even get paid drive time. I used to have a job years ago where I got paid drive time. And when I got stuck in traffic, I'd have to go all the way down to Bel Air and work in Bel Air and stuff. And, and, uh, and I love that job. You know, it was a great job. And uh, because I get stuck in traffic, and it's an hour and a half in traffic sometimes. And I'm like, getting paid, praise the Lord. Those of you who are traveling longer to church, but you decide, hey, I'm going to drive because I know this is a good fellowship and they're serious about Jesus, you know, you might get rewarded more because you sat in traffic. I don't know how that all works. I don't know, you know. I've got paid drive time. I think the Lord does better than that. I don't know how that works, but exactly because there's some mystery going on, you know. Yeah, Nick and Lett or Nicolette and Chris are talking right now about how they drive all the way from the Knolls, and yeah, you guys can get a little extra probably. No, I'm sure they're not. They're probably not saying that, but I used to live in the Knolls. So I knew how it was to drive this way. So that's, you know, but outside of see me, it's even more. It's like, praise God. It's beautiful. I love it because it shows people's love for Christ, you know? So uh, go to Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Matthew 25, verse 14. This is uh, Jesus' teaching. We're looking at a lot of Jesus' teaching on, on rewards for a moment here. And it's interesting because in Matthew 25, verse 14, Jesus is talking about his coming. Matthew 24 is the Olivet Discourse where he talks about his coming and the, what, the, what the followers, Christ followers, the church will go through, tribulation period and stuff. And then in verse 14, he says, for it is just like a man who, about uh, to go out on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. God's entrusted things to you. Everything you have has been entrusted by God to you. That's good. Uh, verse 15, to one, he gave five talents. Wow. To another, two. And to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Wow. To another one, each according to his own ability. So he got five, two, and one. Now, one talent is, was a laborer's working wage for a lifetime. That was a lot of money. One would be a lifetime's worth of wages. So he's giving this to them. 
as stewards. One gets five lifetimes of wages. One gets two, one gets one. Immediately, he said, this is, you want to follow this because this is quite interesting. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. Wow. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who had received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. In other words, he did nothing with what the Lord gave him. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You, will be, uh, you were faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of what? Many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Notice his reward is connected to his joy and it's connected to him being faithful to what his master had given him. And he's given much more now. So whatever we have here will be multiplied in heaven. Are you with me? Verse 22. Also the one who had received the two talents came and said, Master, you entrusted me two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24, and the one who also had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you were hard a man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you didn't scatter no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. He would have got something at least, right? Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. Wow. For to everyone who has, more shall be given. And he will have an abundance. Wow. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be what? Taken away. How does he not have and it's still taken away? Because what he has is really the Lord's. And that'll be taken away. Verse 30. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there'll be what? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's how Jesus, what Jesus says at times to describe hell. Okay? And these are all servants. They're all the servants of the Lord. But one servant becomes wicked in his heart, and says, you know, he, he just sticks what the Lord gave him there, and he just lives for himself. I'm going to give him back what he came, because really he wants to live for himself. He's got an excuse. I knew you were like this. Well, if you knew I was like this, why weren't you actually concerned about what it'd be like when I, you faced me? Amen? So it's imperative that we recognize that this is serious. And the, Jesus talks about the same thing with regard to cities, you know, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And the, the degrees of rewards, just like I've shown you over and over again, there are different degrees of punishment. How do we know that? Because in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, when it has a great white throne judgment, it talks about the wicked being judged and the books being opened. There's a book of life. And if their name is not found and written in the book of life, they're thrown in the lake of fire. But other books are open because God keeps a record of everything that's done. And it says that each every, every one of these guys that will be thrown in the lake of fire will be judged according to his deeds. By the way, God's perfectly just. That's the heavy thing. 
It's like God's giving them their just dessert. So if you're not saved by grace and forgiven for your bad deeds, then you're condemned for them because God's a just God, but he's also a gracious, loving, merciful God that's full of kindness and, and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He doesn't want to see any perish. So he paid that price so no one has to go to hell. Amen? And that's, a, that's, that's great news. But you know what? A lot of people reject him and they're going to be judged according to their works. The books are going to be open. But guess what? There's different degrees of punishment just as there are rewards. Jesus talked about those who handed me over to you, Pilate, will have greater judgment. Why? Because they had more light. Talking about the religious leaders. Of how much worse punishment, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 says, how much worse punishment suppose ye shall he receive who has, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, because he's had the truth, right? And goes on sinning willfully, rebelling against the Lord willfully, after receiving knowledge of the truth. And it goes on to say, he'll get worse punishment than those who were stoned to death under Moses' law under the two or three witnesses of how much worse punishment suppose he shall he have who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and considered the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified an unholy thing. And he goes on to say, you know, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God and so forth. And later on, he's a consuming fire. It's pretty radical. So we want to make sure as believers that we just don't say, oh, I got saved, praise God, I've received from the Lord, and then we just go on our merry way. We want to make sure we're serving the Lord, amen? That's our duty to serve the Lord, amen? And guess what? If we receive Christ and we receive what he's given us, but then we don't continue to grow, you know, and there's no evidence of our salvation, then faith without works, it says, is what? Is dead, amen? Just like the body, James says, without the spirit is dead. We want to make sure our faith is living, and you can see if your faith is living. If you have a, a love in your heart for Jesus and a desire to follow him, and you're putting your trust in him, and you're living for him. Amen? Amen? Now, the Bible recognizes that there's babes in Christ, and there are those who are mature in Christ. So those who are younger in Christ aren't going to bear as much fruit necessarily. They're not going to, uh, you know, plant as many seeds initially, maybe, perhaps. And they need to grow in knowledge and so forth. But there's still evidence that they're alive. The Bible says as newborn babes, you know, long for the true, or just the, true uh, the, the, the milk of the word, amen? amen? So if you're a newborn babe in Christ, you should be desiring God's word, amen, in your life. Amen. That's evidence of, of, of true salvation, you know? But you should grow because God doesn't want you to stay a baby. It's when you're 10 years old in the faith, but you're still acting like a one-year-old. You can never feed yourself. Ten-year-olds can typically, you know, I have Eli, man. He's like, it goes to my house, man. He's like making every sandwich you could make up in the book, you know. So now he's able to feed himself. But eight years ago, Eli was like, wah. Well, no, you, that was when we were two. You weren't wah back then, Eli. I see him back there, so I'm picking on him, you know. But when he was a little guy, you know, first it's milk. And then it's, then it's food that you got to break up for him, right? And, and soft food, like baby food. And then he matures, and now he loves steak, you know, and he, or tri-tip or whatever, you know. Chad's going like this right now because he's probably eating Chad out of house and home, you know. And uh, house and home, aren't they the same thing? Something like that, right? Uh, but we want to grow in the Word and grow in our salvation. And if you've been a believer for some time, you ought to be doing things for Jesus, if you're a newborn baby, you still ought to be serving Jesus and doing things for Jesus, amen? And praise God you're here. Or you're listening, you know, by, by, by you know, live stream, and praise God we love you guys in our, 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 our live stream fellowships and those of you that aren't even in live stream fellowships but tune in that love Jesus. We praise God we're family, but God wants us to be active, amen?
And even those of you who are in the live stream audience, you know, it's like, I know this might be a little convicting, but hey, that's why you tune in, because you don't come in here because, you know, uh, it's not Joel Olstein, right? <laughs> you know, uh, you want to make sure if, because if you're having a hard time being in fellowship, I know live stream, they have a lot of fellowships, you know, that's great. But those of you who aren't in fellowship or able to encourage each other, you want to make sure you're getting that salt out of the shaker. We're the salt of the earth. Amen. You want to make sure you're not putting that light under a bushel, that you're shining the light. That goes for everybody here as well as the live stream audience. We want to make sure we're making an impact for the kingdom because we're going to be rewarded or lose reward based on what we've done or not done for the Lord. Jesus said in Revelation 2.23, I give to each of you according to your works. The Apostle Paul also talked a lot about rewards. And there's several things I've left out that Jesus said because there's so much that he said. But in Romans chapter 2, verse 5, it says, But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Wow. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 and through 8, bond servants. He says, do the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good, and this is, listen to this, whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. That's incredible. Well, any good that you do, that's heavy. Think about it. Any good thing you do for God's glory to bless people, anything and everything will be rewarded by God. That should be a lot of incentive to like, I want to do a lot of wonderful things for God. I don't want to be that guy that gets up there and just said, well, I received Christ, but I did nothing and didn't show any fruit. Who's cast in outer darkness, as we just read. You want to bear fruit with what the Lord has given you. Amen. Now, some of these rewards, as far as what they will look like, what they will be, what they will consist of, Listen to uh, Revelation chapter, 20, chapter 2, verses 26 and 27. This is Jesus addressing the church of Thyatira. And to the one who overcomes and continues in my work until the end, I will give him authority over the nations. By the way, we're talking about who right now, right? We, we looked at what, and we're now we're looking at who. Who are born-again believers. We look at who and what, okay. Who are born-again believers, but who are also those who what? Continue to the end. Not the guy that just received the blessing. 2, 26 and 27. And to the one who overcomes and continues in my work until the end, I will give authority over the nations. Remember that guy? I mean, given authority over cities or talents or what have you. Now it's authority over nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter and shatter them like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. Wow. When Jesus Christ comes back at his second coming, we'll be rewarded. But we'll also rule with him in the millennial kingdom. Remember when Adam and Eve were created and they were given dominion over the earth, you know, and called the name the animals, God bless you, and so forth. Well, they were a picture of Christ and his wife, who's the bride. And when Christ comes back, we consummate our relationship and we reign over the millennial kingdom with Christ. And Christ is going to rule with a rod of iron. And you're going to rule with him. And that means, you know what? It starts with teaching your kids, you know, maybe make the bed at first, you know, or whatever. When they get a little older, give them the responsibility. You should be teaching your kids about responsibilities. And then also teach them that they have a responsibility to God. We need to know that we have duties before God. Amen? So many Christians today, they just hear the salvation message and they think it's, it's a sprint up to the altar call and receive Jesus and decisionism where I decided to, to accept Jesus as my Lord or my Savior. And I just heard it again today. 
incredibly popular teacher driving down, not today, this last week, like three, four days ago as I'm driving, and the guy's preaching on the radio, very popular preacher, and he's talking about how not everybody's a disciple, but you might want to think about being a disciple, you know, because there's believers who don't really follow the Lord and so forth. And I'm like, this guy's like so huge. He has these huge, you know, crusades, and people come and hear him, and, you know, and I'm like, what in the world? And people are just thinking, oh, he's sending the message, you can sit on your talent and just sit there. And I'm like, this is so wrong, you know. And I was just, and I knew we already taught that. I'm just driving down the road. I listen to a lot of Christian radio. I'm driving, and that guy's on. And I'm like, well, sometimes he's sharing good things, but I couldn't endorse this guy because people, there's too much poison in that message for me to endorse this guy. And then I'm like, here it is. There's other problems too I have. And I'm like, oh, he's saying the very thing that I've warned about. And I just listened to him. And he says like three times, let me repeat this. He says three times that not every Christian is a disciple. No, it's wrong. Now let me say this again for the third time. I'm like, oh, three times you announce this heresy, you know, is a true Christian is a follower of Christ. Okay. Christian means one, it speaks of one who follows Christ. Not one that just receives Christ at the altar. Jesus said, he that endures the end will be saved. Amen. The race is a, is a, a marathon spiritually. It's not just receiving the, the, the talent or receiving the gift. And I love this, man, because you're going to reign with him. But listen to Luke 19, 17. Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. Another time, because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And then another is over five. That shows degrees of rewards, just like there's degrees of punishment. It speaks of false prophets going to the blackest of darkness forever. Whoa. Jude talks about that. Second Peter talks about that in Second Peter chapter 2. Well, believers, I believe the more that we seek Jesus and the closer we get to him now, the more we'll be able to experience him in the heavenly kingdom. Because I believe the joy that we have is requisite with his presence. Now, it's interesting because we have to be careful. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 1 that Jesus had joy beyond that of his companions. He has the most joy. The closer you get to him, the more you're going to experience uh, Jesus. In Hebrews 12, it's for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now listen to this. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38, this is what Jesus said. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Uh, right? And he says, give, and it will be given to you. Now he's talking about mercy, giving love, being generous to people. People that have hurt you. People that don't deserve any love back, but you love because you want to be like your Lord. Amen? And he says, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken up together, running over, it will be put into your lap. Listen to this. This is key. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Wow. That's amazing. To, to, to the measure that you show generosity to others, you're going to be giving that generosity back from the Lord. A Lutheran uh, commentator, uh, Lenski, uh, he's a very good commentator when he's, on, uh, when he's right on especially. He says, quote, in other words, by our giving, he says, that means by being a blessing to people, right? We build the measure. It's by our giving that we build the measure, that is, the size of our cup that God is going to use that will be used for giving back to us. Our own measure is used to measure back to us. By using it ourselves, we declare that we want God to use it for us at the end. So 
that cup that you're pouring out to be a blessing to the Lord and his kingdom and his people and reaching the lost, if it's like this, you'll receive back like this. If it's like this, you'll receive back like this. But if it's, you'll receive back like, I mean, beyond, right? I mean, you just really receive back because the Lord is like, out, he, out, he out blesses us all the time because he's so awesome. Because he said your reward will be great. Now, it's interesting. Uh, I think this is important to get. A lot of times people think, oh man, so-and-so is doing so much for the Lord. Man, you're, I hear sometimes people say, oh man, because of blessed hope and good fight and you know, tens of thousands of people are coming to Christ through your ministry and so forth and what you're doing and da-da-da. And you're going to have, they'll say something, and you're going to have just, oh man, your reward's going to be so amazing in heaven. You know what I, I think, and sometimes I say back, is, you know what the Lord rewards more than fruitfulness? And fruitfulness is important because they'll know us by our fruit, amen? It's rewards faithfulness. Faithfulness to what's been given to us, whether it's one talent, five talents, or 10 talents. How do I know that? Well, think of the poor widow in Mark 14, 22. It says a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. So imagine somebody just putting a penny in the offering box. Right? And one of the deacons just shaking their head. No, our deacons don't do that. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> but somebody thinking, oh, they just put in a penny. Jesus noticed. That's cool because Jesus is God in the flesh. He's noticing her giving. And he says that she gave out of her poverty while others were giving out of their abundance. And they found oftentimes, not always true, but oftentimes the richer people are, the less they give in the percentage of their, of their money. And those who are less blessed financially in people's eyes give more because they are about God in his kingdom, you know? Now, I think it's interesting with this widow. It says she gave out her poverty. I, what I like about this is what's not said in this text is that Jesus notices God notices. And it says she gave more than them because she was because of her what? Because she gave out of her poverty, because she gave out of her faithfulness. Now listen to this. 1 Corinthians 4 2. Paul's talking about the coming judgment. And this is where he talks about uh, every, you know, every mode of the heart will be disclosed and will receive praise from God in verses 1 through 5. Let me read verse 2. Listen to this. In this case, moreover, it is required, listen to this, it's required of stewards or servants that one be found faithful. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for you to be faithful with what he's given you. To me, that's so encouraging because it makes me think of all my brothers and sisters, all of us receive different things from the Lord. But it lets me know that a little old lady that has very little, but she's crying out to God and she's seeking to bless the work of God, not only financially, but she's praying for souls to come in, right? And, and, and she tries to be a witness when she can, but she might seem... Her work may seem insignificant to those people who have incredibly big ministries or ministries that are impacting the world. And guess what? She, I'll tell people, I go, you know what? There's a lot of people that will, are doing, that don't have ministries that are blown up that will receive more than me because they've just been faithful with what the Lord's given them. I'm trying to be faithful with what the Lord's given me, but I'm saying I'm sure there's people that are in different countries, have very little, but man, they're using it to preach Jesus all this, and share Jesus and love on people and forgiving people and showing them grace and continuing when they're mistreated to preach the gospel that they're going to have these huge mansions, you know, or whatever it looks like. And that should be incentive for each and every one of us 
Be faithful with what the Lord's given you. And sometimes then he'll give you even more now in this, in this world so you can be more faithful. Amen? If you're not faithful to him, he'd take away what you do have. We read that in Matthew chapter 25. Now, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Now, it's interesting because Paul says we are of good courage. I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. <laughs> to be absent from the body is to be where? Home with the Lord, amen, and we prefer that. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home, meaning here on earth, or absent, meaning in heaven, to be pleasing to him. For we must, now let's check this out, for we must all appear before the what? Judgment seat of Christ. In the Greek is the bema seat of Christ, the bema seat, and that's where the judge would, uh, they were used to the bema seat in Roman courts and so forth, where the judge would judge people and things would be laid bare. We're gonna stand before the bema seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed or paid back for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether what? Good or bad. Therefore, because of that, and knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. So brothers and sisters, man, we persuade people, knowing that they're going to stand before the Lord, knowing also that we're going to stand before the Lord, and we be judged for the good and bad that we've done, you know? Well, what's that judgment look like? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and pick it up at verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. This is pretty heavy. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, Paul is a wise master builder, I laid a what? A foundation. And another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. Paul brought the Corinthians to Christ. He started this church. And he laid the foundation. And Paul says that there's no other foundation that could be laid than the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said that the apostles and prophets, that the church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and on the apostles and prophets who are built on Christ. So Christ is that perfect foundation as we were checking out, uh, as we were able to watch that video with, uh, from Jonathan's Fellowship, His Blessed Hope in, in Mexico. He's talking about the perfect crackless foundation, amen? Christ is the perfect foundation. We're saved by grace through faith, but now what he looks at with regard to you and regard to me and all of us is how are we building on that foundation? How are we building on that foundation? Now, let's look at verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. He's our foundation. Verse 12. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and what? Straw. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with what? Fire. Fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Wow. So if you are building with wood, hay, and stubble, straw, what, what happens to wood, hay, and straw in a fire? It just gets incinerated. It goes up in smoke. Amen? But if you're building with gold and precious stones, right, what happens when gold goes through the fire? It becomes even more beautiful. Amen? 
So our works are going to go through the fire. What are your works looking like right now? Now, I'll tell you what. A lot of people live for retirement. And you know, it's really a sad statistic. So many people that can't wait for retirement, they die like right after they retire. What should we really be living for? Christ. And you know, some people when they retire, they retire early, but then they regret it. Why? Because they get what? A lot of times less money, you know, less pension or what have you. And they're like, man, why did I do that? You know, I can barely make the bills. Now I got to get a second job or another job or what have you. And, but that's between you and the Lord because sometimes you get by with retiring early and you can do more for the Lord in that way and with it with less. So as the Lord leads you, amen, that's between you and God. But guess what? I don't want to retri- retire early from doing work for the Lord. I don't want to be one of those guys in heaven was like, man, I should have did more for Jesus. Right. Amen. Man I, I, man, I can't believe it. I just pfft, wasted my life away. I want to go out there and, I'm, in fact, I'm hearing this message. I'm going to go out and preach right now just like two's doing right now. She's going to preach the gospel, you know. <laughs> no, but we want to just, what can I do for the Lord? I want to live for the Lord more, amen? That needs to be our heart. So we don't build on, we don't build wood, hay, and stubble on God's foundation, because he's not going to have wood, hay, and stubble just sitting there and junk piles in heaven. It's, pff, that's all going to be consumed. But you want to have gold, man, precious stones. So when it goes through the fire, it endures. Verse 14, if any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. So because gold and these precious stones will remain, your work didn't burn up because it was for the Lord. Amen. You did it for his glory. It's going to stay there and you're going to receive a reward for that. And there's not going to be one reward you're going to say, oh, that, I, that, that's all I got for that particular thing. No, greatest reward. Whatever rewards you get, you're going to be like, wow, praise God. Wow, I had no idea how beautiful these rewards were and how, what a blessing they are. Amen. Verse 15, if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. So let's say, man, you've got some rewards. Every, every true believer is going to have some rewards, going to have some gold, some, because the Bible says faith without works is dead, right? So true faith will have works, right? So everybody's going to have some works, but some are going to have some works and get, you know, rewarded, but they're going to have this whole pile of stuff over here where they just spent a lot of idle time. It's going to go up in smoke. And they'll suffer loss. If any man's work is burned up, verse 15, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be what? Saved, yet so as through fire. Wow. I mean, the fire is going to consume a lot of his stuff, but he's still saved because we're saved by grace through faith, not by our works. Amen? But I don't want to smell like smoke after that judgment. You know? Joe, man, what's wrong with you? Man, you smell like a, you've been smoking. Nah, I just got from judgment, man. You know? I don't want to smell like smoke. You know? I don't want any of us to smell a whole lot like smoke. And by the way, what's the fire? You know? What's the fire? A lot of times when you read commentators, they, you know, one commentator looks at a big vat. There'll be this big vat and, you know, and I, I think that's a pretty cool picture and everything will be thrown in this vat and all your works and, and it'll, some will burn, you know, some will last, you know. But I think I know what it is, you know, is Jesus said in the book of Revelation, oh, when John sees Jesus in the book of Revelation chapter one, his face shines like the sun. He said his, his, his you know, his, his face shined like the sun and, and he, he was in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks or lampstands in the NASB, right? And 
he, he had a golden girdle down to the paps and he held in his right hand, you know, seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp twisted sword. His countenance was the sun that shineth in his strength. You know what it says? It says also that his eyes were as a what? Flame of fire, right? And then he says to one of the churches, I know, he says, I am the one that has Revelation 2.18. I'll just read it in 19. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, right? The son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds. I think it's interesting. His eyes being the flame of fire because he could penetrate. He has x-ray vision into our hearts. Amen? I believe that's how our works go through the fire as they go through him, who is a consuming fire. Who can abide the consuming fire, Isaiah says, right? Only those of us who've been saved. But a lot of things we've done can't pass through and win. They're just going to melt away. Amen? But the good things we've done for him will stand and be rewarded, and you'll receive praise from God for them. That's pretty cool, huh? I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance. And I love this. Check this out. And I, he says, and I know this, that your deeds of late are greater than at first. You know, that's what I've been praying lately. I prayed that last week and I prayed off and on. Lord, may my deeds for you of late be better than they were at first. Amen. And I want to be a believer who has perseverance, who has a track record of not turning away from Christ. And I, when I read some of the stories in the scriptures, like, ooh, Lord God, with King Asa, King Asa, with many of the Jews that came out of Egypt and, or, and didn't get into the promised land. And these were written down for our instruction, Paul says. And I read these stories where they didn't persevere. And you have kings that are good for a while. And then what happened at the end? It's like, Lord God, keep us from being that and help us learn from that. Amen. And not only may we learn from that and not fall away, but by the grace of God, may our latter works be more than our first works. Amen. And that's the way it ought to be. Amen. An adult should be far more productive than a baby. Amen? How many of you are letting babies outwork you for the kingdom? Little kid with a rattle. God's like, well, that guy, kid's doing a lot for Jesus. And you're like, just all mature and trying, but you just sit around. You don't do anything with Jesus. It ought not be that way. Our latter works ought to be better and more than our early works. Amen? May the Lord, by his Holy Spirit, convict us of that, that we do more. You know what? We've all written chapters and I always say to people, especially when I'm counseling, and they have things that they're ashamed of or they're sad about, I say, make the last chapters of your life count. Amen? So when you go into the kingdom, you can rejoice that you got it right. Amen? You were faithful to Jesus because he's going to judge us on, as to whether or not we were faithful. The next question is when. When will this judgment take place? We're talking about who and what and when. When will this judgment take place? I'm going to be brief on this one, but I think it's important to understand. Uh, it's when he comes back, amen? Yep. Now, there's a big debate in the church, and it's been going on for years, and it's a very, very important debate because we want to know when our Lord's coming back. And some believe he can come back. He's going to come back before everything gets nasty, before the tribulation comes, and that's when we're going to get our rewards. That before that seven-year tribulation, before the Antichrist comes about and makes a seven-year deal and before he sits in three and a half later sits in the temple show himself that he's God and persecutes Christians. Uh, well, really, he's going to come back right before that. You know, and it, and it sounds good, but you know what? I was talking to a brother and he was using the analogy that I like to use as well, you know, is uh, really? Does the Lord in the Super Bowl, can you imagine the team owner saying, hey, I want to take, it's a two-minute warning, and, it's, it, and there's a lot more that needs to be done. We need to score and win. But I want to bring you guys, the, the starters, you know, up into, you know, 
up into the owner's box and watch the rest of the game with me. Would that be a wise move? Not really, man. In fact, two-minute warnings, that's when you want your starters, your best players on the field, amen? So it never made sense to me because when I read the scripture, I always saw that Jesus said to his apostles, Peter, James, John, Andrew, when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, flee the mountains. He didn't say, not you, but some future generation. He says, when you see it, in other words, it could happen in your lifetime, right? He says, many will fall away, but he warns to them, he, he that endures then will be saved. And then he says to his disciples, his apostles, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, specifically in Matthew 24, because we know that from Mark 13, he says this, and I think it's important. He says, in Matthew 24, he says, the gospel of the kingdom we preach in all the world, and then the end will come. That's what we're waiting for. And then in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, at the end of the gospel there, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And then Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2, he just made it really clear concerning Christ's coming and the rapture, he says, are being gathered together to him, verse 1, the rapture. He says, don't be deceived by anyone. That day won't happen until the fallen away comes first and the man of sin is revealed and sits in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Then in verse 7, the Lord will come the parousia, which is the word he used earlier for his coming, and he'll destroy the Antichrist with the spirit of his mouth and the brightness of his coming. Amen? Amen. So Jesus says in 22.12, and that's why we need to look at this, behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. Amen? Amen? And the church ought to be prepared to finish the work the Lord has given to us. Amen? Amen. And not being told, don't worry, we're going to get out of here, and God's going to use 144,000 Jews to finish off the work. No. I don't have a problem with him using, the, praise God, but it doesn't say that. They say, well, it says there's 144,000, someone said this to me, 144,000 evangelists that he's going to use instead. I'm like, show me. The 140,000 are mentioned in Revelation 7 and 14. Show me where it says they're the evangelists that finished the work. They're not. In fact, Jesus comes back from his bride in Revelation 19. Read it. His bride's made ready. Then he, verse uh, 7 and 8 and 9. Then he comes back, verse 11. They're not made ready seven years earlier. God uses the tribulation to, to weed out the wicked among his church and to purify the believers in their character. We're already purified by his blood, amen. But how many know God uses trials to make us shine, amen? So how do I know this for sure? No doubt about it. Absolutely, when he comes back to give rewards, because Jesus said it. 1 Corinthians 15 Paul tells us when the rapture will be. At what trumpet does Paul say the rapture will take place? The last trumpet. Okay, go to Revelation. We're going to see the rewards happen here. Go to Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10. And when you go there, look at verse 6 and 7. There's three, la three more trumpets to blow at this point in the book of Revelation in verse 7, it says specifically, but in the days of the voice of the what? Seventh angel, when he's about to sound, that's speaking of his trumpet, then the mystery of God, he says, is finished as he preached to his servants, the prophets. And right before that, in verse 6, it says there'll be delayed no longer because they're waiting for that final judgment. They're waiting, they're crying out, the saints of the altar, how long until you judge the wicked on the earth avenge, and you avenge our blood, right? And finally, the Lord's saying, hey, there's going to be delayed no, delay no longer. At the seventh trumpet, that's the last trumpet, Okay, we'll go to Revelation 11 and verse 15 and see what happens at the last trumpet. Verse 15, because Paul said at the last trumpet, the dead, he said, you know, uh, we, we changed in a moment, the twinkling of eye at the last trumpet, the rapture. Then we read in verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, 
That's the trumpet blew. Paul said that's when the rapture would take place. Well, when did Jesus say he would give his rewards? Behold, I come quickly at his coming. Right? Amen? Then another, uh, I'm sorry, verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, what were they saying? The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. That's Armageddon, man. God takes over. Jesus takes over. And of his Christ. And he will reign for how long? Forever and ever. Antichrist isn't reigning anymore. Jesus just took over. Then look what happens. And the 24 elders who sit before the thrones or are on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, what are they saying? We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were. Notice it's not who are and who were and who's to come in the best manuscripts like the NSB is using, but who are and who were because he's done come right here. Because you have taken your great power and have begun to what? begun to reign and the nations were enraged and your wrath came and the time came for the dead to be what judge and the time to what reward your bond servants the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name the small and the great and destroy to destroy those who destroy the earth amen when christ comes back at his second coming not before the tribulation but after the tribulation right when he comes to destroy the wicked this is not before the tribulation this is at the end of the tribulation and jesus says i come quickly my reward is with me and when he comes what's happening right here at the seventh trumpet what's happening they're being what they're being rewarded the, the, the bible man i love the bible because it all fits like a hand in a glove just all there's such harmony it's it's such an, an amazing amazing book okay i want to spend just a few minutes on that one because a lot of you know that reality of that. Some, a lot of people don't, so I'm glad we talked about that. So that's the when. And by the way, no one knows the day and the hour, right? So it's always need to be ready and watch the signs. Jesus talked about watch the signs. When you see these different signs he talks about that lead up to the Antichrist and what's going on with the Antichrist, he says it's like you know summer's coming when the fig tree blooms, amen? So we need to look up and our redemption draws nigh. That means we need to be spiritually pay attention. And what does that mean? That means morally our hearts and our lives ought to be in order. Because 1 John 3, 3 says that he that has this hope in him purifies this hope of his coming, purifies himself even as he is what? Even as he is pure. Where will this happen? Well, the Lord's going to catch us up, right? We're going to meet him in the air. And by the way, that word meet with the word parousia is used in imperial comings in the first century of a dignitary that would come and they would go out to meet that dignitary. And that, that Greek word that's used there is, uh, that's translated meat. And then they, they'd bring the, they'd have celebration and bring that dignitary or that king into their, into, the, into their town or their city. And they'd have festivities and so forth. That word meat is used three times in Matthew chapter 25 when the bridemaids go out to meet the bridegroom. Amen. So we will go up and meet him in the air, right? And he'll descend and he'll set up his kingdom. And if you read math or Isaiah 25 and 26, that's where this is incredible banquet would take place. And we're going to feast with him. And he's going to give us our rewards. I believe part of the giving of the rewards will be the transformation of our bodies. Amen. And we'll shine according to the glory that we have given him. The last one, why? 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 I know we looked at when briefly. I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on when. I love when though. You gotta, get, you gotta get the chronology right. By the way, keep this in mind, speaking of when, there's two great judgments. There's a great white throne judgment where the wicked are judged, right? The books are opened. That happens a thousand years after the judgment we will have, the Bema Seat judgment. Because when Christ returns at the end of the age, we'll be caught up to meet him in the air, right? We'll be transformed. He'll descend in the Mount of Olives. We'll reign with him. And when we're reigning with him, we're receiving our reward. 
Do you understand that? Because he said that's part of the reward. So it's on earth when we're reigning with him and it's probably in the midheavens. It starts with the resurrection and the transformation. But that'll happen and then we'll rule with him for a thousand years. And it's not till after that thousand years, right, that the great white throne judgment takes place that the souls of all the wicked that rejected the Messiah are judged and thrown in the lake of fire. Amen? So that's why, or that's when. Why? Why? Why are we rewarded? This is what blows me away. I think about why. And I think it's not because we're so good. Jesus said, only God is good. But because of God, because God is so good, that's why. Because God is so good. If you saw my notes, you see a long so and a longer good capped. Because he's so good. Because we do deserve hell. We don't deserve all these things. In fact, when I said I'm happy to get in the door, I really, really am. Can't just wait to be in his kingdom forever and we're already there spiritually, right? This, listen to Psalm 84, 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Amen? Man, I'm happy to get in. But he's so good, he blesses us so much. Think of it this way. You make a terrible mistake, but you're careless and you're being lazy and you burn down a whole factory that your boss has entrusted to you and your boss hires you back and then he rebuilds the whole palace or not palace, the whole factory and then he gives you a huge Christmas bonus. It's like, what? I deserve to be fired, right? Or a kid, you know, he's breaking windows and he's causing problems. He's flattening tires down throughout the neighborhood. He finally gets caught. He keeps doing it. They throw him to juvenile hall. He gets out and then he comes home and he finds out if he gets his heart right, things will be right. He gets his heart right. But then he gets 50 bucks if he just brushes his teeth in the morning, right? If he makes his bed, he gets another 50 bucks. If he goes to school, he gets 500 bucks. If he gets home and cuts the lawn, he gets a thousand bucks for that. It'd be like, that kid would be like, it makes no sense. That's probably not the best way to, you know, bring up kids, okay, guys? But <laughs> we're talking about heaven right now and we're talking about graduation day for us. But we're getting rewarded for things that we ought to be doing anyway. Jesus says, after you've done your duty, don't expect a thank you because you've only done your duty, amen? amen? So we should just say, I'm grateful that I made. I'm supposed to be doing good. But man, God turns around and he blesses you beyond comprehension, amen? So praise God for the gospel. Praise God for God's goodness. I'll tell you what, you guys. Don't throw away, I'll say at the very end here, don't throw away your inheritance. Some of you have done a lot of wonderful things for the Lord. I see people that do wonderful things for the Lord. They serve him, they, they love him, and all of a sudden they just lie to themselves. They get deceived and, and they end up throwing their inheritance away. In 2 John 1, 8, it says this, watch, what, watch, that you, watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you receive what he has promised. And how many of us can think of one, a man who threw away his inheritance? Esau, remember that? He had a double portion. He was the firstborn. He threw it away for a measly meal and he wept bitterly because he lost his inheritance. And that's an example given to us, Amen. Let's stick to Jesus, amen. Let's persevere to the end. Let's be busy for Jesus. What gets rewarded? Obedience. Just share the gospel, shine the light, treat people with love, love your neighbors yourself, love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. The things we ought to be doing, he rewards us for. Can we all please stand?